It's a personal source, and it's supposed to be our yeshiva, to host the Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Aronofiansky, one of the preeminent Rosh Yeshiva in America, and one of the most forceful spokespeople for Orthodox Judaism. Um, as a lot I could say about Rav Lopiansky, I'd say this. More than anything, aside from being an enormous Talmud Chacham, he's a person who speaks across the board. You know, in the, at the... At Kriyas Yamsuf, so the Pasuk says that right? So the Rabban says, I understand why would a person who on the one hand cries out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at the same time question why HaKadosh Baruch Hu took them out of Mitzrayim. And he says, it's not the same group. There are a number of different groups of Klal Yisrael at, the mid- at, the, at Kriyas Yamsuf, and in the post it sounds like there's one group, but there's not. And I think Rav Lopiansky is a person who speaks to all the groups at the same time. And that's no small, uh, that's no small accomplishment. So that taking any, much, any more of your time, B'chav Gado, Rav Lopiansky. It's very nice again to be here. We, over the COVID years, we missed being here. And Baruch Hashem, that's hopefully behind us. And we've had many Talmidim of ours that come here. And Baruch Hashem... Uh, it's a wonderful place, and um, I always enjoy the conversations and so on. So I'd like to start maybe with a, a thought on, on the Pasha. So we have over here the first time Shira in the Torah. And Shira is something which doesn't translate to us. So it's another literary form, so to speak, which is very nice. But Chazal speak extraordinarily about the fact that no one had said Shira till this time, the fact that Shira is, is unusual. And Rashi brings Oz Yashir that it, what's the Yud? So Rashi brings a Pshat, Alobolibo, and then Rashi says it's Miramis for Trias Hamesim. So Trias Hamesim in the Torah, the Gemara finds various Rimazim. It's certainly not written mefurish, but it is very important. The Gemara goes through the whole blood Gemara to find Ramazim, and maybe we'll explain why it is like that. And this is a very preeminent premise. Yosher means lasa level. What's the back? You know, where's this coming from? What's the point of it? So I'd like to maybe spend a few minutes speaking about it because I think it's an important context for our relationship to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, Torah, and so on. The, um, the, the, the miracles associated with Mitzrayim are called an os and a mofes. Um, os means a sign. Mofes means either something which is extraordinary in terms of um, natural order, or it can be a proof the Rishonim used this, Rabban very famously, a mo-face means a proof to something. The idea is that when I show you that I can do something extraordinary, it proves that I have the ability to do things that are not natural. It proves that I'm in power. It has that sense. The Goyen says that mo-face comes from a similar root as pesi. It's convincing. It's seductive. You see somebody does something incredible, it moves you in a certain direction. So those are called osimophase. 
Kriyas Yamsuf is not included in that rubric. Of course, it's the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And this is the first place where it says, Vayaminu, Vashem Moshe Avdo. The word emuna in the context of Kal Yisrael, hey lo yaminu, and now it's called maminu. So this is where emuna is introduced. And Chazal associates shira with emuna. Tashuri me roish amona, the schus of the emuna, Kal Yisrael sang shira. So I want to explain why emuna specifically, what it is, and why that's what evokes Shira. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to us in two levels. We have a mind and senses, and we can understand. We can understand up to a certain point. Just like our hands are limited, and our feet, our mind is also limited as opposed to the early Greek thinkers where if I can't think of it, it doesn't exist, we understand very clearly. We can think about a lot, but it would be hubris to limit existence to our thought. And anyone who, you know, it doesn't matter, the square root of minus one does not exist, but it's, the most, it's, it's a very important piece in math. So no one's ever put a finger on the square root of minus one. There's nothing that has that size, and yet it, it's, it, it's an important component of any type of description of the world. And there are many things like that. So we say our minds are incredible, and we can grasp an awful lot. The mind can grasp anything that's finite. Past the point of finite, it no longer grasps. So our first order of business is to grasp our Kaddish Baruch Hu with our Seichel and our Das. And that's why Avram Avinu came to, to, to understanding of our Kaddish Baruch Hu through his Seichel. Like the Ramam explains, um, you know, the, the entire process of him asking questions and realizing that what the world around understood was wrong, and he got and he got to a belief in Akharish Baruch and so on and so forth. When you show an os and a mo face, there's also an element of you can use a seichel. If this is what Akharish Baruch has done, if, if he's all powerful and so on and so forth, I can extrapolate to it. But there comes a point where it's per seichel. And that point is where Amuna starts. Um, they say it for Rechaim Briska, but, but the truth is that Semach Tzedek writes it in Avichus, in Derkut Secha, that in as much as seichel can grasp, that's <coughs> we're obligated to use seichel. And where Seichel stops, Emuna kicks in. So just like when you see, when somebody sees something, um, a physicist sees a phenomenon that he cannot, that he can't get a handle on, he says, I don't get it, but it's there. At some point, our understanding of Akadosh Baruch Hu crosses over 
into the place where I can't understand, but I can intuit it. I know it's there. And that's called emuna. So emuna and seichel are a continuum. It's very, unfortunately, in translation, when we say the word I believe in English, we tend to mean it's a reasonable statistic. When a doctor says, I believe it's the following ailment, it has nothing to do with the word belief of emuna. It means that statistically, based on the symptoms I see and the patient, statistically, it, it would be pointing towards a certain direction. That's, and so when we use that word belief colloquially, that's what we mean. We're talking about Kaddish Baruch Hu. It means at some point it comes, and I know the M is there, even though I can't wrap my mind around it. The Rambam, famously, when he speaks about Yidiyah Bechira, he says that question has no rational answer because it belongs in the realm that's past reason. So it's just like you can't eat soup with a fork, not because there's anything wrong with the fork or the soup. Maybe if you can eat it with a fork, perhaps there's wrong with the soup. <laughs> but, but there's nothing inherently wrong. It's just, it's not the right tool for this. Which means, the koach of Dibur is associated most strongly with Seichel and Das. I know that I understand something when I can describe it. So describing something in words, in a way that fits the event or, or the phenomenon, <coughs> is something which is a sign that the Seichel has realized itself. And therefore, Shevach and Hodor Takarish Baruch is appropriate. I recognize this is a Chesakarish Baruch Hu, I articulate it, I say it, and, and that's how I'm describing When we come to a place that's past Seichel, deeper falters, I can't put prose to it because it's not something I've described in words, per se. Shira in the Torah is written with big spaces, depending on different types of shiras, how it's lined up. Has, but, but the hallmark of a shira in the Torah, Vim, is wide gaps between the words. The words also don't translate exactly. They're not translated literally. They're metaphors. In other words, the place where speech falters if I have the schus to express my Hakar Baruch Hu, it's going to be through Shira. That's a very high madrega. All the Osos and Mosim still belong to the class of things. Okay, blood is in the world. Sometimes they become bloody. Frogs exist. Sometimes a lot of frogs. I know that the coincidence is, is an almost impossibility. I'm still dealing with things I can somehow wrap my head around. There are animals that invade cities sometimes, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little. They somehow still belong to a world that I can understand. I know that it wasn't a coincidence, but I still grasp it. Kriyas Yamsuf was something where nature just turned on its head. It's something that the mind couldn't, couldn't grasp it. And the Hakkara in Akarish Baruch Hu is described by Yaminu. And the expression of that is Shiro. 
And that's why it's such a great moment in Klal Yisrael's existence. This is the point where our understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu continued past the line of Seichel and entered the domain of Amuna. Amuna was Zohar to say Shira. Tchiyas HaMesim, in the Gemara and Sanhedrin, brings the Vikua between, between Chachme Yisrael and, and Tzdukim. Uh, Tzdukim was, was maybe one of the kings, I don't remember. And he said, and, and their position was, Yuchachamim are wrong. Everything in the world disintegrates. Nothing in the world rejuvenates. Leave, leave a rack laying long enough, it will disintegrate. Leave a plant laying long enough, it will die. Everything in the world dies. How can you say it will come alive? And they answered, things that didn't exist came into existence. Certainly beings that existed already will exist. Meaning, for us, coming into existence is emuna. It's something that Seichel doesn't understand how something can become from nothing. So certainly, when there was a rutzen of HaKadosh Baruch that something should exist, it can continue to exist. Tchiyas HaMesim is rooted in the same ideas. Mashiach, the Rambam has two prokim and halachas. Mashiach is a Seichel Dika thing. There was a king in Kal Yisrael, there was Malvus based of it. There will be a, somebody will come along. These are his credentials. This is what expected to do. This is how we recognize him. And this is what we're hoping for. That's Torah. It's Seichel. And Seichel has to, has to understand it. Tchiyas HaMesim doesn't have any halacha. And halacha, if you don't believe in it, you're not because. That's, that's it. But it, we have no sense of it. We don't. It's the place where Emuna crosses over. And it becomes, from Seichel, the domain of Emuna. And that's why in this first shira, this major shira of Kali Yisrael, is the place to get a hint of Tchiyas HaMesim. There are things, anything that we can understand, we must understand. If a person excuses himself from learning, says, well, I believe, what's the point of it? You know, I believe it, and it's fine, and it's good, and I bought into it, and that's it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to use Seichel um, to its maximum. That's why he gave us Torah, that's why he gave us Seichel, that's why he gave us the midst of Talmud Torah. But when a person has reached the point of his comprehension, human comprehension, a person needs to understand that Kaddish Baruch was not limited to our comprehension. Past that line of incomprehension is where a Munah comes in and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Megal himself in ways that only the intuition of a Munah can, can recognize. I want to share a word. I heard a very Siddish Like all Siddish it's not Pshat, but it's, but it's so powerful. I heard this uh, recently. Somebody spoke, a Rav spoke. And he said over, I think it was the Commander Rebbe during the war, and was in a camp that killed out his wife, children, family, and he kept going strong, being Mechazic people, being Odek people, and, and, and really, really um, being there until he himself was killed. And they asked him, how can you do it? How do you have, how does your mind cope with it? How do you grapple with it? And he said, and again, the Pshad is Siddish, which means the content is amazing. The words are Siddish Daish. We say in Ne'ila, Ata hivdalto enosh mirosh. 
literally, what the pshat means, you've put aside man from the very beginning of creation, and you recognize them as being capable of standing before you. That's, he touched it different. He said, you've allowed a person to separate himself from his head. And then he's acknowledged to stand before you. In other words, standing before Hashem requires sometimes leaving my seichel behind and saying, past this point, from this point onwards is where I can approach with Emunah. And this is where I approach with Emunah. Considering the context it was said, it's, it's, it's astounding. It was very moving to the people hearing it. But uh, that was Salka Panim. When Yeshiva, Baruch Hashem, it's the years when we can really gain understanding of Torah, of Akash Baruch what He wants from us, of who we are, what we are, so much that we need to learn and understand and break our heads on. There's another dimension that was to take away from Yeshiva. And that's the dimension that will take us for the rest of our lives and beyond. And that's the sense that no matter how much we understand, there's always something more. A Baruch who exists in the world of Seichel as Das and exists in the world beyond through Emuna. And taking away these things from Yeshiva is, means that you have a lifetime that you can walk before Akash Baruch and grow and, and, and um, move on Closer and closer to Zakharish Park Rasachem. Do I start? Uh, <laughs> I guess it's part of privileges of rank. Um, if you don't mind, I just make a bro. It's not for the sake of making a bro, it's for the coffee. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. Everybody here knows the, the safe Rachim of Achayakovim Shachim Alavavot. That's yes. sort of how we grew up. And, but recently, as I've learned Hasidus, I've come to see another position. The, the Piazetzner, for example, Chalasatani makes a big deal out of, no, it's not doing good, it's being good. And if you're just faking it, that, I know we don't paskin Musar, but what does the Rosh Hashiva think? It's, it's a very good point because both of these points are really relevant to us. They're very relevant points. On the one hand, we're brought up, like, like you said, to do and to do even if we don't particularly feel like it. You know, I don't feel like coming to davening never did well for anyone to excuse himself from davening. On the other hand, to, you know, Rahman Alibaba and so on. So if I can give a marshal to put the two into place, um, there's something called the Yeshiva Shakar. Shiv Shukar means that it has, it, it, it likes to stall every so often because of age or, or whatever else. So one of the ages is to get a dozen Shiva Bakram to push the car. <laughs> now, it's many times it kicks the motor into action. But if somebody's sitting in the car and 12 Bakram are pushing the car and nothing is kicking in, then he can't say, well, the car's fine, look at it, Baruch Hashem, it's going. No, it's not going. It's, it's being pushed. Certainly, the tzura of a mitzvah is that it's an action that's the product of, of, of understanding, feeling, and so on. But the, the maisa mitzvahs are also helpful in kicking us in, into life. It's like 
when someone low leno is paralyzed, you do physical therapy, you keep moving the, 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 the hands, and you hope there's a feedback mechanism will awaken something. You talk to the person, and, and, and you keep on, just like, just like we do um, CPR, and you hope that the shock will shock the harm to action. So certainly doing the act, actions is good, but, they would, but what we're hoping for, and this is one of the problems, when you're mechanic younger kids, younger kids are about doing what's right. So a kid, you tell him to brush his teeth, he brushes teeth. You tell him to go to sleep, no, there are some negotiations, but by and large, that's supposed to happen. And what you're doing is you're trying to train good habits. But as a, as a child grows and becomes an adult, teenage adult, unless you're able to inspire, he's not going to, he, he, these things won't fall away. So doing the things that we're supposed to do is right, for two reasons. First of all, we're supposed to do it. Hashem never gave us a free pass if we don't feel like it. But you understand that if you do it, and you do it seriously, then big chance it will kick something, you know, something will kick in. Simultaneously learning about it and understanding it so that it, it evokes some sort of feeling is, is the right way to go forward. So, so they really complement each other. You call on I don't know what the... Raise the hand. Go ahead. Just introduce us, what's your name, where you're from, or...? Jonathan Ginsburg, from Chicago. At what point, when she was talking about Amuda, where does that translate to Bitaqo named Shabbos, also with Amuda? At what point are you supposed to realize that a coach part like, it does everything for a reason, that you have to play your role, play your action, well, like, let's say there's something that has shown that's going wrong. What point do you take your action of leaving your Muna and doing your Bitachon, then what actions have you stopped with? It's, it, it's, a, it's a question that accompanies us for life. That's the truth. It's certainly hard to say any specific formula. But at least let's understand the, the, like the Rambam when he has the two extremes. A person who is reckless, lazy, and says Hashem will take care of it, is wrong. It's not coming from faith in Kaddish Baruch Hu, it's coming from not being responsible enough. On the other hand, if a person, if a person overreacts, overdoes, then there's no Kaddish Baruch in the picture. It's like, you know, the, the, the understanding the limits of how far your own actions can carry you, is part of it. It's, life is supposed to be a question of adjusting, so there are different madregas, but it's never cast all caution to the winds or keep doing whatever you can. So, someone, someone asked me a shayla a few years ago. This was a person who was in business. They did well for body Some things went well. Tremendous people. Two partners, both really great people. The business went sour, whatever it was, and they were looking for other businesses to go into. And one came and asked me, and he said like this, people are telling me that I'm not doing enough. He said, whatever it is that I think within reason makes sense, the type of businesses, type of investment, type, whatever it is, we don't leave a stone unturned. They're telling me just to do every ishtadlis in the book, even if it makes no sense. And this is where I felt, if reason doesn't tell you to do it, then it's coming from a lack of faith and so on. 
I once saw a story about a big person that to me set a certain framework for understanding. The person says of Chaim Friedlander. You might be familiar, he has farm Sifse Chaim. Chaim Friedlander was a Talmud of Deslo. He was Mashkir Panovich. He died young, unfortunately, I think around 60 or so. And he's 60 years of age. And he um, wrote a lot of, a lot was written, written up on very fundamental stuff. And he died of a brain tumor. They discovered a brain tumor. They flew him to Boston for operation, came back. Two years later, came, up, came again. They wanted to fly him again, he said no. And they asked him, why not? He said, the first time, there was a logical reason to think that Boston would help. Just the techniques they had, the approaches, whatever it was. He said, now it's like a, a, a drowning man flailing and just grabbing wildly. Now it's a lack of bitachin. There's a construct in the world. This is not a reasonable shtadlus. It's just like, you know, for no reason. So shtadlus means where Seichel says it's an appropriate shtadlus, that's the appropriate shtadlus. Where Seichel says not, this is a construct And it's true in many areas. When a person over, overdoes, then, then it's, it shows that there's a version also in the world. And, and that's why a person should, my brother, was an incredible, he never, he never said no, he never stopped. He built the yeshiva from a thousand Talmudim to a thousand Talmudim buildings. Really incredible. A, a sick person barely called himself together. There was a certain project that was very important to him. And he pushed mountains and, and, and to get it done. And then a hitch came up, and he told my other brother, my brother Chaim, that's it, we're finished. And he said, but this is not such a great hitch. The other things were much... He said, no, but I have a sense Akash Prof was the long interesting. My sense is, till now, I felt it's the right thing to do. And therefore, I shouldn't stop at anything. Now, I just feel that way. So that's a sense of balancing too. But a, a, a lifetime of balancing is what's about shiduchim. How much is established for shiduch? And how much are you just, you know, just flailing all over the place? How much is not enough ishtadlus because you're lazy or you're not confident enough or whatever it is? Having a rebbe that can help you make those decisions is usually is usually very important. Um, I'm Roy, Roy Novik from West Orange, New Jersey. Um, uh, because they're Berliner, like Berliner. Yes, yes, I do. Okay, okay. Um, you got protection. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does Shiva uh, recommend that one go about trying to? find his greater role within the Jewish community and how he can best contribute to the, 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 the Kahal you know, on a greater scale? So, first of all, I would say, don't be puzzling, Panos. Sometimes the modern version of the great vision and the great saving world jury, the world at large, means that we shirk doing small things. I will also say, Hashgacha, Akash will send you things your way, opportunities. Most of the time, they're just not convenient enough or, or harsh enough. But if a person, if someone asks you to learn something, to teach them, take care of something, if it falls in the line of what things that you're good at, you know, my brother, that's what my brother, Augustin Svi, I, I always tell people, his, his quote-unquote preparation for becoming a Shiva was... Could the Rosh Shiva tell people who... who yeah, okay, I... Um, I don't know what... Mir Shiva's founder by Samar Blazer de Finkel, who made the Shiva, turned the Shiva into... The great, arguably the greatest yeshiva in Europe. 
they came after the war, nothing was left. I mean, there were Talmudim left in America, almost nobody left in Israel. He rebuilt the Yeshiva. His son, who was my father-in-law, Reb Benish Finkel, took it over, and he ran it until it was nifted in 1990. His oldest son-in-law was also in Finkel. He was the second cousin to his wife, and grew up in Chicago. I think he was in Ari Crown, I, I high school, or Ari Crown, or either Crown. I don't know which one. I, I just wanted to say. Ari Crown. Ari Crown. Okay. Chicago Jewish Jewish Middle School. Yes. And he received a, 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 that education. At 15, his parents came for visitors to Israel. His great uncle, Red Lazira Finkel, saw him and he liked what he saw. And he, and he had him for a year stay over here. And then he went back to finish high school and he came back and never, never turned around. And he took over the yeshiva in 1990. And until he was lived in 2010, he was Rosh Hashiva. He was a real American boy, basketball and everything, that was Chicago. And he came to as a stroll, became a phenomenal masmid, an extraordinary masmid, an extraordinarily sensitive, caring person. Somebody really, really cared. He was very American, and, and very few people thought he'd become a shishiva. But the, his, his learning, his personality, everything about it um, was incredible. He became a shishiva, and then people realized that Parkinson's. And from 1990 to 2000, he, with Parkinson's, schlepped himself to raise money everywhere, schlepped himself to say shigurim. He sometimes would start a shir, and he couldn't talk because the Parkinson's had, it wouldn't let him. And there's a note, they have a picture of it written, Slicha Nisiti. I, I, I'm sorry, but I tried. It was incredible, incredible demus. And for many of us, incredible demus, because we could relate to him. He was like us, and yet he had accomplished so much. So um, he, when he, you know, as a younger man, I remember, he would embrace every American kid that came to the mayor. In those days, in the 70s, there were very few yeshivas that catered to quote-unquote gap years. I don't know if there was a music of a gap year, and very few yeshivas catered to it. Literally a, a, a handful, of any. And a lot of them came to the mayor totally unprepared. And he would find time for every single boy, these were the weakest boys in Shiva, and learn with every single one and take care of them and be machazik, ma'odeh. He had thousands of Talmidim one-on-ones. He had tremendous amount of kohos. He could go, he, he could go, you know, 20 hours a day. It, it really took a lot of kohos, but it took a lot of rotsam to help him reach out. And his tough kid, so if someone had told him 20 years, it doesn't matter what Shiva and me Shiva. So he'd spend his time making very big shik lollies and, and learning only with the brightest and the strongest and so on <coughs> he did what he was supposed to do and and said this is material for, 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 for learning yeshiva so picking up the things that you're supposed to do and so on are important I was once sitting you know sometimes you, you see something that is a caricature of something that is it, that's really it's, it's sort of a, what's a, a snippet of real life I was sitting at a chasna, real crowded, and two people are sitting in front of me, talking loudly. And it's not eavesdropping. I mean, everybody's sitting up to everybody else, so I, I assume it's public conversation. And one person says, the politicians know what they're doing. What they should be doing is 
making a bagatz and doing this and evoking that. And, you know, this person had the whole world planned out with how he's going to get a certain issue resolved. And the, the person, and he said, I went to Nehna Gura and I told him, that's what you got to do. The bagats here, the this, that, the this, that, the other, the other. So the one said, so why don't you do it? He said, what am I, a shamish? They should do it. I have the ideas. So this other person said, I'm an Ever Hashem. Tell me the address and I'll go and do it. I'll do the dirty work. That was the, so both of them was kind of, a, I guess, a, a caricature of people. But, but, but we have a lot of people today that are, have the grand vision. We're, we're big into grand visions and so on. And rolling up your sleeves and doing things bit by bit, one on one, person to person, and so on, is, is usually either that is what you accomplish or or a Baruch is marking your goal by such a Um, Gabe Levy from London. Um, often we see in weddings songs like Aisha Schail, which are metaphors for our relationship with Hashem, but often they're played at weddings. What does the Rosh Hashiva think of practices like that? Um, he, he asked that, there, you know, people sing songs like Aisha Schail at a wedding. It's meant to describe relationship with a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and why would we sing it at, at a wedding with a, 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 you know, a husband and wife? So, there's a there's a saying from some sofa. They asked him about Shira Shira. It says it's a marshal. So they said, okay, I understand that. But why such a crude marshal? It says Shira Shira is Kodesh Kadashim because it's describing a Shabbos and Chayisro. So he answered, the marshal is also Kodesh Kadashim, but we've made it into something crude. In other words, I won't explain this. There's some point I might be worth elaborating on. There's, English has a way, or I should say, any language um, that's colloquial has a way of corrupting words. When we see a mother and a child, and a mother being up nights with a child, attending to a child, and so on, we call it love, and it's beautiful. We recognize it as, as far as we're concerned, it's the most selfless um, relationship we've seen. We see a young boy full of energy and hormones, and a young woman, and chasing, and we call that love. Is that right? Would he give everything? Yes, he'd give everything for his time. Once the time has passed, he, he would give nothing. He, he'll chase his next time. Why do we confound the two? Can a relationship with a wife be like that? Yes, but it takes a lot of development that my relationship is a relationship that cares about another person instead of a desire. And, and, and just, when somebody says it's love at first sight, what does that mean? It means it's hormones. That's all it means. What do you know of a person first sight? The length of the nose and the color of the eyes? What does that mean? We grow up with these musagim. There's nothing more beautiful love. Yes, the mother with the child who's sick and, and she, she doesn't eat and doesn't drink because she's with him. That's the hormones of a teenager and an adult. Same thing. So, Aisha's Chayel is a marshal, but the marshal, when it's right, it has that same incredible beauty as the nimshal. There's a reason Akadosh Prabhu chose a nimshal, not from pornography, he chose a nimshal from a person with his, with, with his an ish and an isha. But it means that the person is ruchnius, and if a person looks to find a person, and a person looks to find someone who is, if I appreciate a person who's, who, who's good, giving, 
caring, deep, um, and responsible, all these qualities, and, and that strikes me as a good person and as a desirable person, then, then, then a marshal is, is, is incredible. And that's why we, we need to readjust our sense of what an Isha is. But when, when people, you know, people who've lived, married a long time, Baruch Hashem, you go through so many parishes together, so many things, and you say to yourself, wow, look, it, 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 it's, it's amazing. So we need to recalibrate our sense of it, and then we'll see that the marshal is, is, is as beautiful as the nimshal. But you're right. If a person is thinking about what comes easy to, to mind, then, it's, then the marshal is rather crude. There is, I, I don't, there is a halacha discussion about singing. This is based on Chazal. For halacha, ask a rough. But, but the idea of it, I, 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 I do want to share. Uh, Eric Goldberg from Tinek. Um, how does one understand the idea of a sibula? In particular, the ones that see more like superstition than, than actually affecting the world. So, it's, it's a, it, there's a, there are different traditions on it. I come from a Litvisher background, and it was not something that was very, very sought after. I, I, you know, it, it was looked down. So, I guess what we did, our approach was to parse things. If something, if, if the Gemara says about something, then we take it. The Gemara said, and that's it, whether we understand it or not. Things that cropped up over time, many of them very unclarified, we, we stay away from. And, you know, it's something that we're not into, and, and so on. It, 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 by Hasidim, there was a sense that it helps build a Muna. Because the Rebbe told you to do X or Y or Z, and it doesn't make any sense, and it works. So it shows you there's something more than what Seichlistophis. That, that's why there's something like it. So I, I don't have the Masoras that I could really explain it well. So the endings we did in the Gemara, if we understand what the Gemara is saying, then that's what we do, and that's that. But anything post that, we, we tend to shy away from it. I, I, I can't explain something I have a hard time understanding. I just, I'd like to just share something about the, 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 the approach to schoolers. Um, the, there was somebody who once, I was teaching Isha Torah, and he was a student of mine. He got married. He really was not a, a mensch in many ways. He didn't talk, whatever. He, he won't go into it. And it created a lot of problems. And you know, he, I, I bore down hard and told him this, this, and that. We had long discussions about what he's not doing right and so on and so forth. So he avoided me a bit. Okay, fair enough. One day he comes to me, the problems have been solved. I said, amazing what happened. <laughs> Who died? Um, so I told him, so, I told, so he told me they went to Big Nicole and he said that the gematri is off on the names, and therefore, and therefore, that's why there's problems. He changed the names. He added a letter. I know what he did, and now everything will be okay. I told him. I said, I don't understand anything about these things, but I sure hope it doesn't work. I said your last chance of becoming a mensch was if you would start working on yourself and act like one. If you found a way to run around it, then we've lost our last <coughs> chance. 
Sometimes a school is listen, Hanasa or, or Rafua, okay, that's not in our hands so much. It's almost a person which is at the end. I understand why it's important. But um, school is for learning better. School is for this, school is for that. Isn't it what Kachpoka expects of us to roll up our sleeves and to work hard? This is where Yigi and Amelus comes in. And, and therefore, areas where a lot of times school purports to be cut short. I mean, many of the literature gedolim, by uh, most especially when, when a person would ask for a rock of becoming Talmud Chacham, they would get very annoyed. They would say, are you pushing yourself to the limit? Like, what does it mean you want just a bracha? What, what, I mean, the first thing, you're supposed to be pushing yourself. If you tell me you push yourself and Moshev Shmaya, okay. But, but don't short circuit a process. A lot of things that went to the went to do some things. So, so you want to be wary of it. I once heard this from Chassid Shereva, the Kloisenberger. He said over the following story, which also gave over this idea of, of people preferring a shortcut over... He, he started many years ago, this was probably the 80s, he started the colon that they would learn shas, they'd learn a lot of, they'd cover ground, a lot of chazars, a lot of tests. He was one of the pioneers in that field. So he, so he spoke sort of at the sort of inauguration. He had a very folksy Yiddish. His, it was like the equivalent of a southern drawl to an American air. He spoke very kind of drawling, and the stories, in a way, it was a phenomenal time Chacham, but when he spoke for, for common folk, he had a way of expressing himself. He says, I call him a bucha Yisrael. I call him a boy Yisrael. I ask him, Yisrael, do you have Avasatayr? Yeah, Reb, of course. Do you have Mr. Nefesh for Yes, Reb. He says, well, the surgeons just came up with surgery where they can open up the mind, insert a little shas, and you know all of shas. But it's a very, very dangerous operation. Are you willing to undergo it? Of course, Rabbit. This is Snefish for Tyre. He says, I have great news for you. You don't need an operation, nothing. Come learn in Kyle, I'll pay you nice every month. Ten year program, ain't no shas. Well, he's not so sure. A dangerous operation, he's running. Sitting and learning calmly and nicely without any dangers, he's hesitating. Why? That was the way he posed. It was, it was a very. But it's something. We like to get things, but we don't like the process. So a lot of the ruchis kinyanim are meant to be gotten through the process. And short-circuiting the process means we're just not getting it. Uh, Shira spoke about how through Shira we can uh, grasp things in the Yes and Shana, um, that we can't say for a Shira expresses things that we grasp. I, I, it's, it's the expression. Yes. Shira is like asking. Um, so often, I think, myself and in general, we have experiences of Shira where we find we have greater clarity in our Yes and Shem. How do we absorb those experiences and such that in our regular day to day life, we're operating more in the pain of Sifta, we continue? That, that's, that's really a good point. It's, it's a very good point. There's a Ramban that says, from Shashir, it says, So, again, the Pashtun meaning means don't try to provoke or awaken the Ava until it's so desirable. 
just going on, on the, the Cates and so on. The Ramban, or it's a Talmud Ramban, it's not clear. The Chevelle doubts, I'm not sure if it's the Ramban or a Talmud, it's, it's make a difference. He says, the word techpots is the lotion of a chifetz, of an object. Don't allow a love of Hashem to go to waste unless you have embodied it in something concrete. So if a person has a special moment of inspiration, don't take on something big, because that's not going to last. Take a small item so that you remember, because I was so inspired, this is something I'm doing. It helps concretize it and keep it by you. So that's what he says, and it's in a, and again, be wary of doing, you, you can't make these quantum leaps, it doesn't work, but you can certainly do something, and doing a, even a small thing that you know is right, because I had this moment of inspiration, that I think is, is, is something that's relevant to us. Um, my name is Levy Linger. From? From Riverdale, New York. How does a person know if he is being a male? It, you know what? It's, it's, there's a feedback <laughs> mechanism. If you feel that you've spent yourself after a day, if you feel after Seder, it's like you've had a workout, that's the best sign of a males. You know, feeling in a very positive, you know, when, when a person does sports or something that he likes, he feels exhausted, but exhausted in a very positive way. That's the feeling you want. Uh, it, it's, it's being uplifted and exhausted at the same time. And when you time it, you know, you know that you will time it. It's, uh, yes? From? From West Orange, New Jersey. Okay, good. Um, so a few weeks ago, a few of us had a conversation about excessive materialism and excessive luxury um, amongst the firm community in the United States. Um, people um, buying expensive housing, expensive communities, or high IQ tuition, or government, a lot of PSAP programs and other um, free education. So does the Bush Yeshiva think, think that this is an issue? And if so, what should we do to disrupt this? So it certainly is an issue, but let me let me let's try to put a finger where the issue is. And so yes, there's the, the obvious you know, when people are spending a lot of money. So first of all, it could be using money for other things. It's two, it means everybody everybody else has to follow along, and it's very hard on them. It provokes anti-Semitism. There are a lot of external reasons. I think there's a deeper problem that we have to wrestle with. Why do people have luxuries? So there's a certain amount where it's more comfortable, it's easier, and so on. There's a certain progression of items, you know, the difference between an item that costs X to 2X is in this, this, and this. <clears throat> At some point, it becomes something else. It becomes a sense of being, a sense of achieving, a sense of valuing yourself. So if you have a one-room apartment in, in your Shalayim, and you have, and you move to two rooms, three rooms, four rooms, where every room has a certain purpose and it's alleviating congestion, those are all within the framework. So whatever it is, as long as it's sort of fitting needs, at that point it's still within the framework of using my money appropriately, wisely. 
But at some point, when a person wants it only in a certain place, something in a certain way, it's my dream house. It's my dream vacation. What does that mean? It means that I see fulfillment in that. That's a double problem. A from Jew, the Torah, should see fulfillment in, 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 in a beautiful house. You should see fulfillment in other areas. So a person who's a very serious <coughs> learner can find fulfillment in that. Um, a person who's an Oved and can find fulfillment in his intensity of his, of his Avodah Hashem, Davni, etc., that's fulfillment. A person who's there for other people, helping other people, and so on, that's fulfillment. The problem is, have we given people enough goals to fulfill that they can step in those shoes? When I see someone needing to have a house like that, because that makes him feel that he really exists, I feel we haven't done, we, you know, I, I failed. It would be a Talmud one. I failed because what's he living for? So yes, the fact that he also gives it stuck, a check that's stuck, it depends on the person. For a lot of people, it's a kind of a way to, to sort of put salve on their conscience. So the real issue is what a person should walk out from a Shiva experience is finding purpose and meaning in life. Finding a way to grade yourself. And there's a famous story of Rav Steyman, and again, I don't know, never know whether people heard it or not, but Rav Steyman is an extremely wise person. Very, very astute. Even though he was like, lived out of this world, he was extremely astute. And someone came to him and said, he bought a new car, and he began to have second thoughts that maybe it'll, it'll provoke Ayn Hara, and he's worried. So Steyman asked him, did you ever make a Sima Shas? He said, no. He said, did you ever finish a full Seder, Russian Ezekiel? He said, not really. I have bits and pieces that I haven't. He said, is there a Masech that is no cold? He said, no. He said, so why would anybody be jealous of you? Now, I think if Shleiman knew darn well why people would be jealous, but, but he was sending a message. Like, why? Obviously, you're, you're, you, when you see a nice car walk by, it, it, it sort of it, it, it eats away at you. Why does it eat away at you? The answer is because um, you feel you're second rate or third rate. That's where what, what a yeshiva should have done and should do. And this is myself as you know, being a yeshiva. If a Talmud doesn't leave yeshiva having a new sense of what accomplishment is and self is, then we haven't succeeded. And that's why I think the real problem is. You, you can make all the kokuris you want about um, about uh, not, not indulging luxury. I, I'm not a believer in that. First of all, they don't help. Everyone finds an aids around it. They sell it to somebody else and they do this. You know, you, you bar Hashem, Jews are Londonian, and we have many ways around everything. <laughs> and, and, you know, and at the end of the day, Ruben does it, Shimon does it, Levi does it, then it falls apart. There's somebody wrote a safer actually, in B'nai Brak, about, it's called Lobatis Ro'u a collection of all of the kolkores, I'm talking about the Behudist times before that, against luxury and so on and so forth. This person put out, put out the safe in 1960, decrying the luxurious weddings in Bnei Brak that were happening. Now, <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like. It's my imagination, what, what a chas look like in Bnei Brak in 1960. I remember 1970. 
And, and believe me, it was hard to, 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 to figure out what else you, what you could cut down. But that, that's not the issue. That's, that's a, a certain mice. The issue is giving people something to live for. And that's the thing we have to look at, we have to clear. That's what you have to get in the yeshiva. Are you all agreeing from Modin? From where? Modin. The Rosh Yeshiva mentioned earlier about pushing the, uh, the safe out of understanding your time to the max. What really does that look like? Is that looking at like medieval philosophical proofs of God? Is that sitting in the base, learning Tanakh or Gemara, or something else entirely? So, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the Rambam has many things he says, and I'll tell you one of the things he says. If you look at Pirish Hamishnais, many places, Tziva Kaddish Baruch Hu, Amar Kaddish Baruch Hu. Hashem said, and, and in many ways, the Balatanya speaks about this in Tanya, about the primacy of Talmud Torah, and specifically, the primacy of the actual halacha. For whatever reason, Kaddish Baruch wants me to arbitrate a dispute, a monetary dispute, a certain way. When a certain situation comes up, this is his, this is his. This is what Hashem's wisdom and Ratzon has declared. And it's just, it's just dressed in a muscle. And about Tanya says the most beautiful um, description. He says, what's the difference if I hug a king when he's wearing one garment or a dozen garments? If he's wearing a sweater and a jacket and a coat or just a sweater, it's the same hug. In other words, when I'm being osik in halacha, I'm grappling down deep with something deeper. So you start with halacha, and you begin to understand what, is, what does it mean, mine and his? What is gzela? One of the reasons why the Ramah was unique because he built the halacha base, and then whatever he took, he took from that. The, 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 um, the understanding it from there, because that's when we're wearing, so to speak, um, perspective of Kaddish Baruch Hu. If I'm living the halacha, then the inner sense of it, the intuitive sense of it is I'm, I'm, I'm closer to home than something which I'm just starting with, with other, other philosophers. Can I go again? Yeah, whatever. Rashi was sort of lives at ground zero. Yeah. Well, I actually got on side not far from ground zero. So mm -hmm. my, my, my mother actually saw the whole thing collapse. And any low residers here? We don't have any low residers. In, in the other issue, it was a low resider. So, yeah. Ground zero for moral. What's the greatest challenge to who we are? It, 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 again, it, it, it would be... Hubris for me to what? He would he would, would like to know um, what it what is the greatest challenge for for us today as Eden, as Jewish world. Um, again, I, 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 I it would be hubris for me to sit back and say you know baptism Israel, but I guess just the things I encounter. It, it's the point that he made over here. It used to be that life had a certain way of forcing us to sort of come to grips with Torah and mitzvahs. There was so much, everything around us was hemming us in, whether ghetto, 
the, the jobs, we couldn't go to universities, we couldn't go to... Everything was, we were pressured, and the only thing we had really was Akash Baruch Torah. So for the longest of time, the only thing a firm person could study was Torah. And, you know, you could read science, but everything was closed and, and so on. Today, business, money, studying, universities, the world is wide open. And now we have to find a British Baruch Hu and say, Afalbi came. It's, it's, you know, to be able to say to yourself that the inner Nakuda in you is really cute. That even though there's so much you can do and be, but at the end of the day, this is where it's at. This, these, these dollar amas of 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 Torah, of, of real ruchnius, is what it's about. And and Hakadosh gave us a test for longest of times, where we had to find him at a difficulties being most nefesh. We have to find them even when we could use our when we could use our time and effort to get the grand houses and the grand this and that and say to ourselves, not for that was I created. I was created. There, you know, I'm be held accountable for every moment of my life, every resource, and I'm going to be asked, what did you do with it? Those are those are things. It's much easier when things are pressing and difficult to have religious thoughts. When we swat and go through Jewish history, those communities where we had it relatively easy, we were acculturated, we had opportunities, we, we fared a lot worse. Take a look, France and Poland, Germany, France, versus Poland and, and Hungary, or, or Poland and Lithuania. In, in the places where there was an abundance, it was harder to stand that test. Baruch Hashem, we've been blessed, it's brachal so much. Despite all the, all, all the challenges, it's still... But now we have to really bring out ourselves and the premiums, you know, that deep inside, I'm a animal, and what makes me a person is something that transcends the stuff around me. And, and you know, it, it takes a lot. It, it, it's that's. I think that that's our challenge. You know, uh, we we should be able to come out stronger for it. You know, I, I do see that it's difficult, but Rez Hashem and Yeshivas, uh, you know, I if I can say. A yeshiva will be, your yeshiva experience will be successful if this becomes the benchmark of what's right and what's good and what's a life worth living. Um, the, 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 you know, saying that the emis that's in the base medrash, the emis in the life, the emis in, 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 in what we want, what we aspire for, is real. And it lasts every tchotchke in the world. Everything in the world comes and goes and leaves you disappointed. There's things in the world that are emis, and they and they're eternal. <coughs> it's a long journey, and and we, we 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 have a lot of, you know, we go off in a lot of directions. But coming back to this place and understanding that what you saw here, what you have here these years, is is you. I, I think that'll be best of success. And best may you stay a long time. May this become very much part of you. And, and may you always look back to this. May, may, you, may you set your life based on these benchmarks that you have in Shiva Mish. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a special hour.